Sleeper in the Bus podcast. It is your Sunday edition, and I am Pulse 4. Joined, as always, on Sundays by Mr. Jason Collette. Jason, how are you, sir? Well, I'm a lot better than my ratios are in Tout Wars. Um, I don't know what it's been this week, but we've seen a lot of people just get blasted. Just and these, and these are this is my team ERA for the week in Tout Wars and my team whip, uh, both last place by quite a bit. My ERA, <laughs> my ERA is eight thirty seven for oh my the week. God, nobody else is above four seven eight. I'm almost four full runs higher. My whip is one point eight six. Oh wow! You had every is, one of the. I had I had McHugh. I had Hutchison. I did not have Felix. I did not have Estrada, who got the win today. But it is unbelievable how bad it's been. This Every time I tune in, I'm like, oh, my God, stop it. You, you mentioned nobody in Tout Wars was higher than 478, but somebody in mixed labor was, and that would be our club. That would be a us. With a 480 and a 136. Thank you, Felix, for, for just putting an end to the season because – Let's see. Shane it's Green. over. Yeah, Shane Green, uh, McHugh, Hutchison. Uh, Buckholz was actually my most effective starter. Well, there you go. I mean, he is so great after all. Yeah. It might as well. No, I mean, he's 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 what passes for reliable in the American League right now. That's 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 the way it is in the American League. It's so bad. Um, you know, it's obviously some of the awful performances are dipping into the National League, but overall, starting pitching in the American League is is pretty hilariously bad. So when you have somebody like Felix getting blasted like that, it's really bad. Jason, yes. let's let's talk some injuries. Let's start with uh, somebody who just came back and is already being talked about uh, re- regarding his injury again, and that's that's Corey Dickerson. The foot yeah, it comes back, goes two for four in his debut uh, return, and then you know out again on Saturday, and then misses you know not even in the lineup on Sunday. So it, it's looking like you know pretty close to the worst case scenario here with regards to his Corey Dickerson's plantar fasciitis, in that it's going to be a problem and just kind of nag him all year. I guess worst case scenario would be if it also cratered his performance, which so far it hasn't. So it's not quite worst case scenario, but it's it's not good for the, uh, I believe, 27-year-old, or excuse me, 26-year-old Colorado Rockies outfielder. So what do you think here? What what are you doing? How are you reacting to this if you have him? Or, or even if you're looking at Corey Dickerson as a, as a trade target, is this somebody that you would try to buy in on with the idea of getting a discount, or are you staying far away? No, I mean, for anybody that's listened to you and I do this for how many years we've done this, we've always, this is the one injury that we've always said, oh my God, don't you know, run away from it. Because the only way it gets better is if you don't play. And you can't just not play for a week or not play for two weeks and it's going to go away. And Albert Pujols last year, a couple of years ago, great example. Current example, Ryan Zimmerman, same issue. And he's been awful. All year long, if yes. you don't, if you don't have your lower base and your foot's everything, it, it feels for any of us who have had this injury, it feels like you're stepping on glass, and you can't try to play through it because again, the only way it gets better is with a lot of rest, or you go ahead and tear the crap. Uh, yep. That's it. So no, I, I don't want a part of him. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, and uh, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to, to be the bearer of bad news, but no, this 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 plantar fasciitis that's the one injury that always scares me, guys. I made a trade with a with a buddy in in a league 
I offered him. Yeah, I needed pitching. I, I tweeted about this auction when it happened. I just I just messed up the auction. We didn't have an auctioneer, so I was kind of doing it, and I missed out on all the front line pitching, so I didn't have any. My hitting was doing pretty well though, so I offered a guy. I said, you know, Justin Upton or Corey Dickerson, either of them for for Garrett Cole, and, and, he, and he picked Dickerson. And you know, I feel kind of bad. You know, we knew about it. It was right right around the time that the foot had started flaring up, so we knew about it. It was nothing underhanded, but it's still a bummer. I, you know, I don't want to feel. I don't want him to ever associate me with like giving him damaged goods or anything, because obviously Cole has been straight dominant since uh, mm -hmm. since joining my club. So that part sucks. But uh, I have Dickerson in a couple other leagues too. So th it's an overall bummer because he he was. Backing up his 2014 very nicely so far, really looking like uh, you know he is kind of a star star level player at least in fantasy. And whether it's because of Coors or not, doesn't matter because he's still playing there. And the biggest part of Dickerson's season so far, and it was only 28 plate appearances, was that he had an 816 OPS against lefties. And the truth is, he wasn't that bad against them last year with a 724. You know, he's not one of these lefty guys who just can't hit them. So, you know, if there is a situation where it starts to clear up or he does get maybe like a, a two or three week scenario off and then we're looking at early August, I might still try to get him for the stretch run. Maybe I'm just a sucker for Corey Dickerson. But I understand your general stay away from plantar fasciitis game plan. Let's talk about uh, Martin Prado. He's got a shoulder issue. And he's expecting to miss at least a week. He just the the, the report was not going to be back until at least the weekend for for Prado. So we don't know if it's going to be a DL stint. I don't. I didn't see what happened to to give him this shoulder injury. But obviously, shoulders are generally they're always bad news. You know, whether you're talking mm -hmm. pitcher or hitter, shoulders are just bad news. So this is kind of a bummer uh, for Prado. He was kind of having a, you know regular Prado season, decent average, a little bit of pop, nothing great, but plays every day. In fact, leading the national league and played appearances. So you love that kind of consistency and it helps him with his volume, but it, we're going to miss a week for sure here with Prado. And then even more, how are you reacting to this injury for, for him? Yeah. Let me, let me, uh, my earlier statement saying that, you know, the player fashion is the injury that works me about players. Let me say the second one, shoulder issues. Uh, we've seen it play out. We've seen it play out in the past with guys like Upton, further back Bagwell, more recently Matt Kemp. Shoulder issues concern me greatly because it, it really affects the power and how they can drive through the baseball. I don't know which shoulder it is for him. Uh, yeah, if it's if it's his front, if it's his left shoulder, that's the one that really, if they can't get full extension because of shoulder issues, that affects power. So I'm a uh, not happy to hear this news. I own I only own one share of Martin Prado, but shoulder is uh, shoulder issues don't tend to go away. They tend it, to linger. It is the right shoulder. I just I looked it up uh, to see that. So it's that not It's actually the better news. Again, yeah, that, it's, it's it's really the front. It's the front shoulder because they they can't get the full extension with the pain. With at least the back one, maybe it's you know maybe it pitches away or trouble for them. But at least when you think about guys that are having trouble with their shoulders, uh, right-handed batters, especially their non-throwing shoulder. You go back and look at the guys that have issues. I know Bagwell was a throwing shoulder issue, but look at Kemp, look at um, Upton. I remember a lot with Upton uh, him talking about it that he couldn't get full extension on his pitches because of the shoulder issue. Lance Lynn had a weird start last Sunday where uh, he seemed to be kind of battling it, and it really looked like at a point that he was going to come out of the game. Uh, you know, he's being looked at, uh, talked to, really appeared to be injured, but then ended up coming back out. Now we want, now we find out that uh, Lance Lynn is going to hit the DL with the, with the dreaded forearm strain. 
this is obviously bad news. Uh, how bad in your estimation? Uh, precursor to other issues we've seen other guys. Uh, isn't Iwakuma still out with the same problem? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know when when what, what Iwakuma's timetable is. You know, Doug Doug Thorburn made it made a point um, when we were on another podcast, the Rotowire one on Friday, how these things you know work their way up, and that's why they yeah. are precursors. So the 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 one good thing I guess is that you know, and he was mentioning this is that we catch it earlier, so we stop it in the forearm ideally, so that it doesn't get up to the elbow, and then of course the shoulder. Uh, so that part is good. It's not always it's not always a the death now guaranteed. Tommy John is on the way, but it's not good. I'm jaded because I'm still not over the Alex Cobb situation. Oh, he's fine. It's just day to day. He's dead. Boom. Done. Uh, so yeah, I, I am. I'm jaded in this in this regard. Iwakuma through a simulated game. He's dealing with a lat right now. He's so, been dealing with it a long damn time. Yeah, forearm strain uh, got Bailey, and then and that was his precursor. And yeah, then, and then so he had Tommy John, so you know it, it's not good news for Lynn. I, I would be I would be super bummed and worried. He's having a great season. He's really kind of backing up last year's uh, results with, with the skills. Last year, I thought that uh, Lynn's 2.74 ERA was a little uh, favorable for kind of the way he had pitched. I, you know, skills basically matched his 2013 when he put up a 3.97 ERA. Well, this year he's at 3.07, and the skills are better. So I like him when he's pitching. But I, you just got to wait and see here. If you have him, I, I can understand selling a, at, at a discount. I'm, I would I would not be afraid to do that. I would probably just hold, and I certainly wouldn't be buying shares of Lance Lynn right now, even on the cheap. Yes. All right, Aaron Sanchez uh, is going to hit the disabled list with a lat strain. This is a pretty big bummer, uh, first off, for the, the Blue Jays, who can ill afford to give up any sort of pitching uh, to a staff that isn't even that good. But he, he, you know, Aaron Sanchez has a 355 ERA. Even though the 518 FIP says, watch out, it's because he, he walks the world, uh, and he isn't missing a lot of bats. He's got a 5.7 strikeout per nine rate and five walks per nine. That's that's so terrible. But uh, he'd been pitching a lot better lately, and so this is, like I said, even right. if he was kind of pitching more like he was in the early season, it would still be a bummer, but the fact is that he was kind of really starting to, to round into form and actually had his first walk-free game um, on the fifth when he when he went eight innings, too. So his longest game and walk-free, that, that was a nice harbinger there. But then, of course, now goes on the disabled list. So this is bad news for Toronto. Um, how are you seeing Sanchez in his first year as a starter? I think the expectations were that he wouldn't struggle quite this much. I, I understand that because of how good his stuff is, but this is kind of right in line with what we saw in the minors. Um, the only difference is it's such a stark difference from what he did in the bullpen, but it's just the, the eight billionth example of how much easier pitching in the bullpen is relative to starting. Right. And, and let's be honest, though, it doesn't matter who Toronto needs to pitch right now. I mean, they're outscoring. That's true. They're, just, they're bludgeoning teams right now. This 11 game win streak, they are outscoring their opponents. 80, 88 to 44. I think I so saw dirty. It's it's disgusting. I mean, Marco Estrada got a win today, allowing five earned runs and 10 base runners in five innings. <laughs> and he got the win today. My my two teams where I have to where I have to start the guy desperately thank him for the win where I needed the win where I needed wins. Um, but it's just like my goodness, who cares who they throw in there? They may I don't know who they're going to pull up in this case. I really don't know um, who's available to them. But it doesn't matter. But Liam Sanchez, Hendricks maybe. 
Possibly, but you know, with 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 Sanchez, you had to expect some growing pains going from the going from the bullpen to the rotation. Even though he had been in the rotation in the minor leagues, it's still different when you've spent most of last year, the second half of last year, just airing it out of the bullpen. Exactly. Now you got to come in and ex- you know, extend yourself and, and work stuff. You're going to have to spend. I didn't take him anywhere because I didn't like his price point last year. Me neither. Um, I didn't like his price point this year in that regard, but. Uh, no, this is the kind of growing pains you have to expect. But with Toronto, man, if you're if you're chasing that, that team's just putting up runs, and the, what's what's kind of scary is it's coming from the bottom half of the lineup. Exactly. Guys like Ryan Goins and Kevin like Kevin Plarshall was ninth base today. It's I mean, so ridiculous. The bottom the bottom half of the lineup, it, and Encarnacion's not really hot right now. Bautista's not really hot right now. Donaldson's Donaldson. Uh, and, Mar- and Russell Martin is hitting, but you know, it's it's the bottom part of the lineup that's doing the damage to teams right now. And I, I tweeted out about Buckholz the other day. I mean, he was cruising in that start, but half of his damage in that start came from came from Kevin Pillar and Ryan Goings, two guys that shouldn't be doing it, but they're doing it. Here's the slugging percentages of their uh, five through nine guys right now: four ninety. Uh, and then he was replaced by a guy with a 505. That's Colabello and Smoke. 523 for both Mar- Martin and Valencia. And then a 362 for Pilar, which is not a great uh, slugging percentage, but it's Kevin Pilar, so it's pretty good for him. And then 353, which is for Goins. Again, not that great, but but these are Kevin Pilar and Ryan Goins, and they're putting up uh, numbers here and there. You know, it's it, it's weird. And the production they had today, they were four for ten with six ribbies between them, and Valencia just ahead of them was two for four. Of course, um, I think uh, is Stephen Wright lefty? That uh, that knuckleballer is he a left-hander? Uh, God, oh no, he's a, he's a righty. Uh, yeah. So well, maybe it's knuckleballer, and and that's why Valencia didn't, because Valencia is a, a known lefty masher, and uh, and he got his homer off a right-hander there. So good for him, but he got his first hit uh, off of Eduardo Rodriguez. He took the brunt of that today. Nine runs in four and two thirds on eight hits. I mean, there's all your regression at once. Well, welcome to the big leagues, kid. Now you're officially anointed. Let's see how you rebound. I mean, it's a bummer because he'd been running so hot. And he just kind of, you know, get, gave a lot of that back. But uh, I'm really interested to just see how, how Eduardo Rodriguez rebounds. I'm not really that worried that he got clobbered here by Toronto. Let's see how he rebounds. That'll be the real, the, the real telltale as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. What do we got here for injuries? I think we got one more. Yeah, Harper, Bryce Harper left Saturday with a knee injury, and he, and he wasn't in Sunday's lineup. It's just day-to-day right now. Um Anything that you're really concerned about, or are you just, uh, you know, just protecting their star for a couple of days off? What I'm concerned about is the Rays have to play the Nationals the next four games. <laughs> uh, so I would like to see Bryce Harper sit for as many of those as he wants to, uh, I, but I'm going to be at the game in in, uh, in DC on Thursday, so I would like to see him play uh, in person. But that's my concern about Bryce Harper is he's getting ready to face the Rays. Um, and one of those, I, I believe, Ooh, you know what? I do get the Chris Archer start on nice. Thursday night. So that's cause he, Chris Archer pitched on Saturday, the game to, and they're playing, there's no off day. So I do get Chris Archer on, yep. um, on Saturday. Speaking on Thursday, of no off days. There are no off days next week. All seven teams or excuse me, all 30 teams playing seven games. They're starting the week with these home and homes, uh, two there, two here, mm-hmm. uh, all these interleague series, and then everyone has obviously a, a weekend set as well. So it's awesome, 105 game week, no off days. However, 
uh, we will have an off day next week. You're going to be traveling and on vacation, uh, so we're going to go ahead and take next week off. To to I'll be enjoying the final game of that one, the, the 105th game of that one 105 game week uh, on Sunday night. So just just programming note, we will be off next week. You like how I, well, you like I'm how traveling. I that, in that there? sounds really traveling. Weird. 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 I know. I know. Yes. It's crazy. I'm getting back. I'm getting back from vacation. We're going to D.C. for this whole thing, and then uh, I have to go to Chicago for an event that starts Monday morning at 8.30, which means I have to fly. After we drive home from D.C., I have to fly uh, fly to uh, Chicago, and I don't get in until wow. late at night. So, yeah, no podcast. Sorry, folks. Yeah, so we'll be back in, in a couple weeks after after this. We're not done here. I'm just saying, um, like, what, 16-minute podcast? That's terrible. Don't worry. Uh, let's talk about some of the big news that happened over the weekend, and it all centers right now around prospects. A um, couple huge ones were called up. Some former prospects kind of trying to regain their shine were called up, and then a, uh, a disgraced closer is back up. Let's start at the top, though. Let's start with By- Byron Buxton. That's the big one. That's the big news that he got called up. Um, I'm I'm completely from a from a baseball standpoint. I love this move by the Twins. It kind of emulates what the uh, Astros are doing, saying, "Listen, mm-hmm. we're we're playing really well right now. We got a lot of wins banked. Let's get our guys up here. And if we catch lightning in a bottle and we get that huge season, first off, you know they can get a lot large range of outcomes, and it can be a boon for them from Buxton. They, it doesn't have to be a star season, but if he comes up and starts dominating right away, then I mean, obviously that's immeasurably huge uh but even if he comes up and he's like a you know 750 ops kind of guy with the power and speed playing great defense that would be a help to them so uh the 21 year old is going to come up from double a i think actually come up, came up today and and made his debut batting ninth uh four, so two strikeouts. he's up not gonna be batting high in the order uh to start that's all right gonna have to work his way up this is this is probably, you know, the last huge chip that's going to come up with a good eye on playing time unless something happens to break for Corey Seager's playing time. What do you think of Byron Buxton and what he can do uh, for the rest of the season here? It's going to be it's going to be a, a definite speed alone, and that's where it, really where it's going to come into play. He's going to be going down the bottom, and I like the fact that he hit down there. He you know, struck out twice today. Uh, you know, strike zone discipline. You're gonna have to learn at the major league level. But whatever he does is still gonna be better than what's happening. What's happening with that Twins with that Twins outfield? You look at their outfield this year. Uh, if you if you look at their overall outfield by weighted on base average, they are 28th in the league. They're okay. worse in the American League. That's how bad anything's gonna be an upgrade for him. Well, if you call him up, you it, honestly, if you call him up, you play him because his absolutely. defense is going to be elite. And he can turn a routine ground ball into an infield single. That's the kind of speed he has, even coming out of the right side of the box. That's the kind of speed he has. So uh, you're going to expect some struggles. I, for him, I want speed. I, I want runs and everything else. We'll see what happens with it. Absolutely. And uh, the, the situation is obviously Aaron Hicks went on the disabled list too, so that – uh, creates the the natural opening for them to just put Buxton in the lineup and go out and and let him do his thing, let him struggle a little bit. You know the worst part about that off uh, about that outfield being so abysmal for Minnesota is that they're actually getting a pretty great season from Torrey Hunter. You know he's still toting like a 110 uh, WRC plus uh, thereabouts, hitting well again, just just ageless. Mm-hmm. You know continuing to do well and and you know they're kind of pissing it away because the other two spots are are really just dead spots out there. Hicks Edward 
Eduardo Escobar have been the primary playing time guys, and they got a 594 and 611 OPS respectively. So like you say, Buxton just doesn't have to do much. What kind of money would you put on him if, with regards to uh, percentage of remaining balance? I dropped a – I actually won him in my FSWA league. I dropped a third of what I had left. I got him for $26. Okay. Yes. 20, or 26 or 27, which is about a third of what I had left. I lost the Carlos Correa bid by standings. Oh, oh my God. I hate that. Oh, that would piss me off so bad. So That's I almost nice. had both of them. Almost had both of them. I lost the Carlos Correa bid on standings um, yeah. with that. So that's what I dropped on Buxton and one of them. Do you think, and I don't, ugh, I hope nobody's listening because I don't really want to give this away, but do you think our $5 will get it done in labor mixed? Probably not. Oh, dang. Go change it. <laughs> oh, no. You don't think it'll get it done? Well, no. maybe we'll, well, maybe we'll just bid three and we'll save some money. Four, four is really pushing it, but we'll see. We'll do three. We'll save some money. We'll just see what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we're, we're pretty much out of money, and if, if Felix getting obliterated like that, uh, throw on the fact that Don't Han we have was, too? What? Don't we have Lance Lynn in that league, too? No, but uh, Eduardo Rodriguez we have, and uh, Justy Han wasn't great this week. So that's, Sweet life. That's how we got a 480 ERA the, the week that we acquired Felix. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about another big prospect who was called up because I think he's really interesting. You know, we've talked about it in the past, but now that he's here, I think we really got to kind of set up what we can expect from Francisco Lindor because – you know, the, the, the tiny numbers next to his name on a prospect list, because he is a top 10 guy now each of the last two years, including four more or less across the industry this year. I can't remember exactly where Kylie had him, um, but I'm, I was looking at the baseball reference page the other day, and I saw that he was four at, at, at a couple of those ones. So, you know, top 10 guy, but a lot of that is his defense because yes. he's been ready to play Major League shortstop for multiple years now, at least, at least since 2014, but probably even before then. But now the 21-year-old coming up, he's hitting fine in AAA, just kind of whatever, you know, nothing great, 745 OPS. Uh, but only eight for 15 on the base pass. Don't love that. But he's 21 too, so you know, six years younger than the uh, the median age based on that uh, uh, baseball reference calculator there that they give give you a semblance of what a guy's going up against competition wise. So that that plays into it a bit, and you could bump that up in terms of uh, how well he's performing. But they're not getting a huge bat here. However. My the reason I'm very excited about this move is I think it sets up the pitchers very well. They all get a yes. huge boost. I was waiting, you know. They talked about last week when they called up Urshela and Walters that Lindor was considered, and I, and Urshela Lindor call up that's so great. And now that they're both here, such big news for that for the pitching staff. More yeah, than eight. that's honestly where I'm at. That's honestly where I'm at is, is the pitching side because I think it's the impact because Lindor. You know, maybe speed, maybe. Well, here's but... the thing. You talk about that, that Twins outfield. You don't have to do a lot to, to make an impact. That's the same way at shortstop right now. So that's right. one thing working in his favor is that even if he could, you know, if he could somehow even just kind of replicate with a, maybe a little bit off of what he was doing in the minors there, even if he was like a 720 OPS kind of guy, that would be a plus right now at shortstop. So he does still have value. It's just not overwhelming. I wouldn't break the bank for him. Yeah, I would take it if I hadn't dropped him two weeks ago and tout wars to free up a roster spot. 
Uh, and somebody grabbed him. So yeah, I yeah I thought that's I thought the Indians were going to drag their feet with him. So I'm like, screw this. I need a roster spot. I'm tired of carrying Ian Montero. I traded wow. Montero and I had dumped Lindor. So yay me. I mean, it's 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 tough to carry those guys. What what? Let's say you have a need at shortstop because that's the only real way that I'd be trying to get in on 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 the bidding here. You have a need at shortstop. What what kind of money would you put in put in for uh, Lindor? About fifteen percent of what I had. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, again, you just you don't have to go crazy. Um, I, I just don't know that there's going to be much there. The eight for 15 uh, on the basis, he's been better than that in his career. So that's probably an aberration. Uh, but the problem is if he struggles like that at the big leagues, they'll pull the plug on, on him running. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're really basically getting probably a hollow batting average at best. So, but the impact that he can have on the pitching staff is very enticing and frankly all five of them i think become uh bigger trade targets if you weren't already interested in them maybe you should be should be and if you were interested in them you should be even more so now especially carrasco exactly because he was the one feeling the biggest brunt right now so again some of what he some of his struggles are his own doing but a lot of what's happening you know and, and when kluber was struggling early a lot of it was defensive related salazar is more of a fly ball pitcher so he doesn't get as affected but it's going to help them all uh let's talk about don brown he's back up you know this guy been around forever and you know underwhelmed against expectations pretty much forever but he is still just 27 so are you ex- I, obviously, I, I don't want to say, are you expecting anything here? I don't think anybody has any expectations right now. Is there any sort of format where you're even wanting to consider him, or is it a show me something before you're going to touch him? There's no format that I, I want to consider Dominic Brown in. I mean, he is, he's always going to be known as Mr. May 2013. Right. And that's it. I mean, even if you look at down with the minor leagues, I think a change of scenery as this Philly tries to retool themselves. You know, this may be something where they consider. You know what? I you know, let's trade him. Yes. Let's let's add him. Let's throw him in, even though he's young. You say he's young, but he's he's turning twenty seven this year. He I mean, twenty. Maybe I'm sorry. He already is twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. No, not young, but not not ancient either, because if he certainly feels older. I certainly, you know, sometimes lose sight of the fact that he is just twenty seven, and and I'm thinking like he's probably twenty nine or thirty. No, so I mean, there there's still some age on his side, but at this point, what what does it really matter? It's just kind of grasping at straws. He put he put up a six eighty for two hundred forty eight uh, plate appearances in AAA for crying out loud. I mean, it's just not there. I I, I think he has needed a change of scenery for years, and in fact, that May twenty thirteen is the main reason that he didn't get it. Uh, because once once that once he burst onto the scene there with that and they made the All Star game, it's like, oh no, he's fine. Let's just keep him. And now they they still should they should have been more willing to trade him at that point. But of course, that is easier said than done when when a guy appears to finally be busting out at age 25. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think they I think they'd be best to move him, see if he can get with a new organization, get some different coaching, and, and maybe get him back on track. There's talent there, but I, I can't even envision a format where I'm really trying to get it. Maybe a, a, a painfully thin NL only, where they you know once you start doing beyond ten teams of a single league, it gets bad. So if he's out there, I, I get it, and you have a spot. But anything else, I just don't see it. It's bad stuff, man. It's really bad stuff. All right, let's talk about Alan Webster because he came up 
and made his debut. You know, this is a guy that, uh, you know, has been outspoken about liking his stuff. Um, you know, he's another guy, a lot of talent with the Dodgers kind of match him up with Ruby De La Rosa cause they've been traded together twice. Um, and so, you know, totally understand where he was coming from with regards to liking Alan Webster stuff and understanding that he has potential. It hasn't come together though. So far, uh, that first start, it was rolling for a while. You know, I don't want to say came unraveled, but just started to get hit around a little bit, uh, late in the game, ended up five and two thirds, two runs, two hits, uh, three walks, only two strikeouts. Problem is he has good stuff. He doesn't seem to know how to best d- deploy the stuff. What do you think of Alan Webster? You have any excitement here? You know, the, the issue with him is just where, you know, he's bounced around a few times. So he's changed pitching coaches. He's changed. Boston was never quite sure where they were going to use him, how they were going to use him. When you watch him pitch, you could see potential. But is he is he ever going to realize that potential? I think for him, he is. I'm going to wait until he shows me something before I'm going to get a, I'm going to get more excited about him because I'm done watching him. I know what he can do. Exactly. I, I can see the potential, but I want to see him do it more than two or three innings at a time. Yeah, maybe even two or three starts. I, I think I think I'd still be. Um, you know, a little tepid in terms of pull, pulling the trigger with him. So I, I, I definitely hear you on that uh, with Alan Webster. And the guy I mentioned who's back to try to reclaim his job uh, but has an uphill battle is Steve Sishek. He, he did this dirty in, in labor mixed as well with that meltdown. He was supposed to be our reliable closer and posted a nice 698, uh, melted down, got sent to triple, or excuse me, got sent to double A. That could have been due, just due to proximity, though. I really think that that wasn't necessarily a statement on, oh, it's so yeah, bad. Double A's, double A's in the state. I believe they're double A's in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. And so they knew it was going to be short anyway. Honestly, I can totally see them being like, listen, it's going to sound worse. But, but we're doing this for a reason, and um, I'm sure he was – okay, fine. Well, he went down there, six scoreless innings, but five hits, only four strikeouts. I mean, it's fine, but it wasn't dominant or anything. The, the, the problem for him, and the reason I was so interested in buying his replacement, A.J. Ramos, is because I thought that he could easily perform well enough to just keep the job, and he certainly has. It, it would be a manager decision. I don't put it beyond Dan Jennings because he doesn't really know what the hell he's doing. Um so that part is a little bit worrisome, but if you talk about from the time that uh, that Ramos picked up his second save, which is really when he took the job, he's got 12 strikeouts, one walk in eight and two-thirds innings. He's got three runs given up, but two of those just recently came in a blown save to Toronto. In Toronto, who can even blame him? Uh, so the ERA at 312 you know, seems high, but for the season, he's at 147. He's been amazing. This year, and so he certainly shouldn't lose that job. Do you think that he might uh, to Steve Sishek at all? He shouldn't, because even even the time down the minors to Sishek shouldn't shouldn't change what what Sishek looked like. You can't unless Sishek comes back up, and all of a sudden he's got his old release point back, and everything's there. But you just saw him getting around too many pitches, and instead of that frisbee slider. It was more like a taped up wiffle ball where it just kind of stayed over the middle of the plate <laughs> to get crushed. And we saw it, you know, Corey Schwartz and I saw it live when we were at the, the, the Mets Marlins game where he came in. I think he was pitching the sixth inning and, and he couldn't do low leverage work. You could just see him getting around the ball and, and it just didn't have the life that it typically did. Now, there's no reason, you know, there's, you got to give him time to build himself back up. And we can see even, you know, as much as we, likes each other coming into the season it, it's tough to maintain that level of uh, performance you can even see it with Brad Boxberger he doesn't look good right now 
Uh, and the Rays have pretty much put McGee back in the closer role. Although Jepson closed the game out today because McGee had worked a couple of games, but Boxberger has not looked good of late, struggling with his command, giving up home runs uh, because of it too. So it's tough to maintain elite, but I think the rest of the way, I still think Ramos is the better deal. I, I think so too. That's exactly, uh, you know, I'd still be targeting him, not worried about this really. I, he's been he's been dominant. Ramos has been dominant. He really looks like uh, he could be one of the next – uh, big, you know, excellent type of closers uh, as well. So very, very excited about his prospects. Uh, Jason, anything jump out for, at you from the weekend? Uh, any players that you want to talk about specifically? Maybe we'll go back and forth, uh, do a couple each here. Uh, performances, you know, starting Friday, we'll, we'll call that the, the whole weekend there that uh, you're taking away from these series. Um, you know, we mentioned Hutchison and he, him getting blasted. And there's been this thing this year where he's been good at home. He's been terrible on the road. But, but ironically, the two good road starts that he's had have been at New York and at Houston. When I say New yeah. York, it be the Yankees. So two ballparks where you think may be risky. He's been good, but everywhere else he's gotten shelled. Now, personally, I don't put any weight into that. Just okay. because, you know, six starts on the road, I don't care home road splits, I can find a split for anyone to say this guy, this guy, this guy. But if he can do it in Houston and New York, then he can do it. Then he should be able to do it the other parts. He shouldn't be getting blasted like this. It's tough to own him. It makes him inconsistent, but that's one. And we actually had a request on Twitter, which, you know, thanks to the dude who did it, because, again, I forgot it was Sunday night with all my travel lately. I, I'm just looking at dates instead of days of the week. And he said, hey, can y'all talk about the queue tonight? And I was like, Crap, thanks for reminding me it's Sunday night because I, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what airplane I'm on right now. So Colin McHugh really stands out because that's a guy that I traded for two weeks ago who has not helped the, the ERA situation in Tepler's, uh, but neither would Gregerson. So I guess it's so far it's never really been a wash. But <laughs> McHugh, and, and what's, what's puzzling, one thing you can look at McHugh and say, okay, the home runs, you know, he's he's almost allowed as many home runs this year as he did last year. He's one shy of equaling that total. So but – it really, but you look at you. I was I've been looking at his numbers today, and you don't see two. It really, his overall pitch numbers, his, his uh, pitch rates, all look about the same. Yeah, it's I, really, it's, it's really the stuff off the breaking, the the non fastballs that's really hurt. That's I, kind of where when I look at it, it's got the, the non fastball stuff. The breaking balls are really getting hit this year. And they were just not hanging on like this last year. Yeah, he's just, but but obviously not always, and so he's still getting swings and misses. You know, he's still showing the flashes. It's just not as consistent, and and so, you know, what? Well, I think what McHugh showed us last year was legitimate in that everything that he was doing, you know, what, what was real. The the thing of it is, it's it's just a matter of can you repeat. Um, it's not a question of the stuff. It really is the, the command and control of it. And, he, and he's got control of it. He can put it in the zone, but he's leaving them. He's leaving too many of the breaking balls fat, and that's leading to the home runs. Those need to get further nine, down in the zone. Nine of the 12 homers that come off breaking balls this year. Can't nine. have it. Can't have it. Had a four-homer game. You know, batting average last year was 183 off breaking balls this year, 290. Uh, batting average of balls in play was 239 last year, 335 this year. Yeah, that just, that just talks about – the stuff it's it's we I'm looking at heat maps I'm like wow big fat red spot right over the middle of the plate and that's you know that's problematic so you know he's become overall, too slider dependent as well yeah I mean overall am I worried am I concerned yeah if, if you know, somebody dumped him in a 12 team mixed league as I believe what the Twitter guy said 
and frankly, I can't blame them for doing so. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I understand. I do understand but that. But 12-team mixed league. Now, 15, I would, I would say, whoa, come on. 12-team, there's, there's, better, there's better things out there. Yeah, there probably is, but this is this is this is rehabable. I mean, this is this it is, is fixable especially stuff. when you look at when you look at a twenty percent strikeout rate and a four percent walk rate. You're like, oh come on, be thankful his ERA is not even high with all these home runs. Be thankful it's not even higher. Thankfully, the the, the he's cut down on his walks. Yeah, and that's and that's really helped. But that's really uh, you know in a twelve team mixed league, I know the, the strikeout rates league average. Like, yeah, and Astros are getting wins. Um, you know, he's been able to get a few of them despite having some issues, especially early. From what I remember, a couple of his starts, he was getting hit hard in like the first inning or so, and then really cooling off after that and doing well after that. So, I don't know. A 12 team mixed league, I'm not going to, I'm not going to yell at a guy for dropping him. Uh, but, no, I, I, you know, this could be fixable. It's just when you look at the overall range, you're like, man, you know, what happened here? It just, it, the, the stuff is still holding up well. If I were to tell you, you know, if we look at his overall rates compared last year to this year on just everything, and not just a, not just the uh, uh, the breaking balls, but again, all of his stuff holds up. You, know, you look at McHugh's stuff and, and the strikeout rate, as swing and miss rate, swing and strike rate, it's all right in line to where it was last year. To me, it seems like it's pitch execution is what's driving this guy nuts right now. Absolutely, I, I, I swing is see twenty six percent versus twenty four percent the swing and miss rate. Uh, Percentage of strikes is equal. Swing strike rate is within six tenths of a point of one another. He's actually getting guys who chase more pitches out of the zone. It, they're just they're also putting more in play. That that is your pick set, your pitch execution issue. If he's getting the swinging strike, yeah, this is, this is on him. Things are putting in play. This is stuff that's pitch pitch execution. This is on on McHugh not putting away, um, and 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 certainly compounding mistakes with poor execution. Let's talk about his teammate for a moment, though, Lance McCullers Jr., uh, who threw again today. And it wasn't uh, uh, amazing uh, against Seattle. In fact, I'm sure McHugh was like, man, why couldn't I have gotten today? Because they dropped 13 runs, and they could have withstood uh, a lot of his damage. You know, McCullers threw five no-hit innings, four walks, four strikeouts. So, you know, I I don't want to underplay it or overplay it. It was was good. It was good. Five no-hittings is good. But obviously, pitch count was up to 90 because of the walks, and so he couldn't really go much deeper. I don't think he was overwhelming them. I, d- I didn't see the game, so I am I am doing a little bit of box score st- scouting. But only you know four swinging strikes, uh, 20 called strikes though. So maybe he just had them frozen up. Maybe he was just confusing them more. I think you know you'd have to watch a game like that to see what, what was he just kind of getting lucky, getting some great calls, maybe some great framing by Conger or something, or was he just did he just have them off balance all day? to the point where he was getting uh, all these called strikes. I don't know. So, But McCullers Jr. did get his third win. Overall, he's been fantastic. And this isn't even a, anything close to a bad start, but it comes after two brilliant ones. Everything's looking good so far for this, uh, uh, for this 21-year-old right-hander. What, what do you take away from him now after six starts? You know, when you watch him pitch, you can see him struggle with command. Sure. And but then you can see him. Then he works his way out of jams. I've seen he's pitched six times now. I've seen two of them. Okay. Um, especially the the, the jam he threw. I saw uh, that one. The complete, as well. That was that was good. And so 
you know, you can see the light foot his pitches works down in the zone. That's what I like. You look at his, you look at his overall metrics, and and they're not nothing's really standing out. You know, swing and miss rate, swing strike well, rate is about league average. Twenty nine percent strikeout rate is. Well, strikeout. I'm looking. I'm not, yeah, that that's that's happening. But I'm just looking at the overall. What's happening? The swing strike rate is ten percent. That's that's average. Sure. Uh, you know the 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 contact rate is seventy five percent. That's average. Uh, so maybe effectively wild is the best way I can describe the strikeout rate has been ridiculous. I mean, it's been 40 strikeouts to 10 walks. Uh, you know, I'm surprised when I look at those numbers, I'm actually surprised with that good. And that his walk total is that low. Yeah, no, I, I, I it, it's been interesting. It's been interesting because, you know, McCullers, we saw the four walks today from him, um, but the, he hasn't been walking a bunch of guys, and that was obviously something that he did do in the minor leagues, and it, it, it was a concern. And so this comes, you know, he hadn't walked more than three in a game. That was his first game. Then he walked three total for the next four starts. So four here, uh, as long as it doesn't become a pattern, it's fine as a as a one-off. Uh, it is a little bit worrisome because of his history, but the strikeouts that McCullers is getting, the fact that the bullpen, you know, they can hang on to uh, wins for him as they did today because, like I said, he only went five. Granted, they had a big lead to play with, but, you know, you don't worry about Houston blowing it. The guys that came in for him today, the four guys that pitched, have a 238, 198, .91, and 212 ERAs. So, again, you can trust that bullpen. I think there's a lot to like here. Um, I, I like McCullers Jr. and I, I think he can hold up. Probably not at this level, you know. I'm not even gonna say probably. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna stick at a 2.0 uh, ERA level, but I think he can be a low threes guy even the rest of the way. Uh, you know, there'll be some hiccups there, so it might be closer to like a three four, but that's perfectly fine with the strikeouts and and win potential that he has, and I think that's a, a legitimate upside for him right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, 241 batting average on balls in play, 77% stranded, uh, high rates for a starting pitcher. So, but again, but not egregious. Not egregious, and, and the support's definitely there for the team. They, but the great thing about Houston, the, the issue is we saw during the seven game losing streak that they were on. Uh, thankfully, they've won two of the last three. But it's it's the boom or bust of that offense. You know, they yep. don't, you know, they're not an on base machine. They they get their runs by home runs, and when the home runs don't come, they don't score. It, it, yeah, it, it's that simple. Of course, the team that they're playing is trying to replicate that scenario as well. And so uh, you have games like the, the series this week, 10-0 Houston, 8-1 Seattle, 13-0 Houston. I mean, a, a perfect microcosm of exactly what these two teams are trying to do and, yes. and the successes and failures of, of how it can go. Yep, and, and nobody, the Felix start, that's just a crazy one. I mean, and the whole Seattle, they are the no OBP machine. And the, and the home runs, that, that's really what fuels them. It's really stupid how bad their lineup is outside of Seager and Cruz. I can't believe Felix got killed like that still. It's still so bad. Uh, you have another guy that you're interested in talking about here? I'll, I'll do one more after you. and then. No, go ahead. I really okay. don't have another guy. That's McHugh was the really one that came to mind just because of personal interest and the request. Curious if you think that the window uh, has closed on, on buying low on David Ortiz. Uh, now three homers in his last four games. Five-game hitting streak, um, you know, only three hitless games in June. Is he waking up out of his slumber here? We're we about to kind of see, maybe not vintage Ortiz. Maybe maybe he's not uh, even at his best. Going to get back to last year's level, but that's pretty high. I mean, he had a 73 OPS. But it, is he going to maybe be a you know 
825, maybe 850 LPS rest weight, or can you be a stud and, and really be stout and, uh, and be kind of that vintage Ortiz? What do you think? I feel like we've talked about this with him. I, you know, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's because I've talked to everyone else lately. About no, no, him. we 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 have because he was struggling. But the the problem was everyone kept saying we've seen this before. But but I don't really believe that we necessarily have at least not recently, because the last time he really struggled like this for two full months uh, was like 2009, and he was 33 years old. So this is this is six years later. So everyone that was expecting him to just emerge out of it, I I thought that that was a little interesting because uh, you know he's 39 years old. There's just no guarantees. But it looks like he is starting to come out of it. So I'm just wondering if you think this is him coming out of it or if it's still going to be more of uh, more more bad than good as it's been thus far. I mean, the thing I was I was talking to our friend Bob Lung about this because he needs power in a league and a guy that had David Ortiz who needed a shortstop. And I said, trade Ian Desmond for David Ortiz. Go make that swap. I don't know if he was able to get it done. But if you look at Ortiz, April and May, he hit 224, 309, 382. So far in June, 250, 326, 550. So you can see the extra base stuff that's coming up. The thing that's always going to concern me with Ortiz because it's been there all year, and I don't know how, I don't know if it's changed anything. It's it's the hard stuff. You saw it even this weekend when uh, he was getting blown away by some of the by some of the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. This is where you know on this on the. Even this month, on fastballs, he's batting two twenty-two. Oof, that's and terrible. Before, over over that, before that, it was one ninety-one, and that's really the big thing because Ortiz, in the past, you know, if we look at the past five six years, hit three hundred three slug, I think six ten on fastballs, and this year it's like one ninety-eight and three three twenty. It's just he's getting in. At 39 years old, maybe it's finally – now we can finally say, okay, maybe it is bad speed. Maybe the bad speed is gone because that's really tough to look at and say, wow, and that, that's where he's at. But he's striking out a ton on fastballs. That's really that's really the, the concerning thing there is just the amount of fastballs that he's missing out on. Uh, the strikeout rate on his fastball is pretty ugly right now. It's, it's got 22%. And this is a guy that used to be, oh, my God, I'm afraid to throw him a fastball. You think of the, the typical. David Ortiz at bats, it's going to be a guy that I just, you know, bring in a lefty uh, loogie and just sling sliders at him all day long and throw him the junk. Uh, But that's, you know, I'm looking at the overall numbers. Oh, what do I have here now? Uh, From 2009 to 2014, 302 batting average, 608 slug. This year, 222 and 407. So he's lost a lot there. And the, if you look at overall, and look at what's happening when he's, I mentioned his overall strikeout rate, uh, play appearances that involve strike, uh, fastballs, his strikeout rate, but this, the, the overall, the pitch rates, when you look at his fastball and how that's playing out is, is not in his favor either. And that's really where I get, where I show the concern with it. He's still making contact to so his swing and miss rate. That's fine. And even his, his swinging strike rates up a little bit, he's just not putting the same percentage of fastballs in play. I mean, typically his in-play rate was 40%. This year it's 32. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of foul ball. His foul ball rate's 51% versus 43%. So that's, be, that's, that's being late on a lot of fastballs. Absolutely. And if you start cheating on him, that's when you start getting exposed. And David Ortiz has one home run on a fastball this year. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't realize there were such, such struggles for him on the fastball. Well, I got uh, I got one more guy here that I'm interested in getting your take on because he In returned. fact, it was today. <laughs> oh, well, it was the one today. It was the one off Estrada today. Oh, my God, that's crazy. 
Um, <laughs> curious your thoughts on the the return of Matt Latos. Seven innings, one oh, run, eleven strikeouts. I'm sorry, I made I made a mistake. The one home run is that's because of the I had a I had a filter on. That's oh, my okay. mistake. That's okay. why. So he has one, two, three, four, five home runs on fastballs. Okay. So that's my mistake. But the overall numbers still hold up. Still I mean, not anything great. else? He's still. Um, actually, I take that back. Uh, it, yeah, I, I need to retract some of that. Uh, foul ball rate is about the same. Uh, it's, yeah, everything's about the same on the fastball. He just he's taking more fastballs for strikes. That's really the only difference um, in in the numbers uh, in fastballs this year versus uh, in previous years. You think he's not seeing it as well, or just tentative? Who, who knows? Uh, yeah, that I don't know. So retract some of the other stuff, uh, but that's that's kind of where he is. So, but then when you watch him, if you watch the plate appearances, good velocity getting this guy. He can't not make to it. That's uh, that's interesting because that didn't used to be the case for him. But uh, all right, let's finish up talking about Matt Latos because he returned seven innings, one run, eleven strikeouts. It was against the Rockies though. And the Rockies on the road are back up to their old, you know, being terrible. Uh, but the, the the fact is, you know, Atlanta has owned uh, Latos all year. But but outside of that, he only had one other bad start, the one against Arizona before he went on the disabled list. Other than that, he he's he's been pitching pretty well. And then this is a pretty great start here so uh, where are you on Matt Latos I know you're not a huge fan but any change in opinion here you're still just out I'm still out I don't I don't like the team and yeah yes it was against the Rockies so yay him the Rockies you know outside of course field is is a joke it always you know it has been and they're missing pieces of their offense and that's not going to help their case but I'm still out on him he's really a matchup play for me well, take that, Matt Latos. I'm not. I'm still. I'm still a pretty decent fan. I think. I think there could be something there. Uh, we'll see if the strikeouts can hold, though. That's what I'm very interested in seeing now. Six, five, one, seven, and eleven in his last five starts. So we'll see that. But uh, mm-hmm. that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up there, Jason. We'll be back in two weeks. Don't forget, no show next week. Jason on vacation. Uh, 105-game week next week, though, so just go out and watch a ton of baseball. You won't miss us too much. Until then, Jason, we'll talk in a couple weeks. Take care. All right, man. Take care. Bye.